I built my team around Josh Smith at point guard, Andre Iguodala at shooting guard, and Andrea Bargnani at small forward. And they were my trio that I played with for over a decade. (laughs) Uh, The big three that NBA forgot. They were very easy to acquire. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm sure they still are. Welcome back to another episode of Hoops Temple Podcast. You know me, Nathan Schwartz. On the other line, Dylan Williamson. What's up, Nate? Not too much. Uh, Our usual third compatriot is uh, off enjoying his birthday. Nico, we wish you a wonderful, uh, happy forever uh, 21st birthdays. Yeah, shout out shout out to Nico, who couldn't make it because apparently birthdays in Denmark are just like multi-day benders. I had a cousin that tried to convince me that Israeli birthdays are multi-day benders. He tries to tell me that his 16th, he woke up like three days later, floating down the Jordan River with like, you know, the classic Edward Forty hands, you know, just on like a pool floaty. I yeah. don't know if I believe him, but I also don't not believe him. Yeah, I absolutely did not believe him. That's just like classic high school absolute nonsense well he is he's a russian israeli so when you add in the russian like to believe that he had a multi-day drinking party that he does not remember and woke up a few days later starts to be a little bit more believable right yeah maybe you you know you get you get um vodka hands instead (laughs) okay well we uh we do have something to celebrate here as well we've got the all nba teams yep get to celebrate the best players in the nba even if the NBA has tried to ruin it by like coming out with ridiculous positional classifications. So I've been doing research on these and I want to clarify a few things because I think everyone now has seen and discussed the Howard Beck tweet about Jokic and Embiid both being available at forward and center. Hmm. There are, to my knowledge, 100 voters. I know there's 100 for MVP. I believe it's 100 for all NBA as well. If 51 of those voters vote that Embiid is a center, he is considered a center regardless. So he'll still get the points from all of his forward votes. So if, you know, 50 people vote first team center, 49 vote uh, first team forward, one votes second team center, and we assume that he votes Jokic as first team center, and Jokic gets 51 first team center votes, or gets, you know, the other, Jokic gets a ton ton more votes. It's possible Embiid could have the second most votes and still be the second team center. If he gets one more center vote, then he gets one more forward vote. Yeah, it seems like they kind of um, were almost setting up, like given the given the option to have Embiid and Jokic first team. Um, it's just probably going to take like massive collusion from all the voters to be like, okay, which one of these guys are we all going to vote as a forward to get? On our, mm-hmm. on our first team. And I've listened to enough podcasts to hear other writers complain and say that they're not voting, uh, that they are just doing it nice and clean and keeping them both at centers. So I think in all likelihood, although that's not how my ballot's looking, but in all likelihood, we will have Jokic as center and Embiid as second team center. Yeah, okay. Um, from, from what you said, it sounds like you're going off the deep end and you're just going, best five guys... Positions are bullshit anyway. 
here's here's my first team more or less uh i think that's my only real crime against humanity in this uh this first breakdown but what about you are you just throwing caution to the wind and saying all right we're, we're putting players wherever we want no no i'm a i'm a massive stickler if you're gonna have positions i'm not gonna pick a guy who doesn't play that position there are a couple guys who like legitimately do play multiple positions like um mm-hmm. i'll get I'll, I'll give you an example like paul george for example like he legitimately starts at a guard and also starts when there's injuries at at small forward you and i had a debate about him earlier this season because i was like why isn't batum the starting shooting guard he literally has played shooting guard half his career and you're like no batum's the starting power forward like what this just positionally yeah Yeah. paul george would have been the one i would shift it up to power forward and left batum with shooting guard and watching them they it's hard to know who is actually at what position so i'm fine with george in either spot to contrast that um jimmy butler plays no shooting guard he's he's eligible as a two Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna give him a guard spot, and in, in the same way, as as much as I'd love to have him beating Jokic first team, um, neither of those guys are forwards, so I'm gonna be a stickler, and I'm gonna have stick by the guards and the forwards and the centers. Let's start at the first team. Who were the guys that you were just like, these guys are absolute locks. I don't need to think about it because w- when I did it, I had three that I was just like, you're definitely first team, no questions, no second thoughts. Basically, the way I started was just listed out guys who I knew I was going to include on one of the teams, and that ended up being six players. One of them, well, two of them ended up being centers, so one of them is on the second team, but the rest of them just slotted in fairly cleanly. Who are they? How do you want to go? Do you want to go? Do you want to start at the guards, and you can give me your guards too? Yeah. Yep. All right. I, w- I went for Curry. I think is irrefutable. He was my super lock. I just I, I, when I wrote three players uh i actually color coded the name of these i was like all right curry green he's he's a guard i did have a lot of debate about the second first team guard yeah that was, that's a little bit tougher um i think it comes down to to luca and dame both of those guys having awesome seasons in the end i went for i did go for luca same i uh i actually i put together a spreadsheet and i ranked all of their um I ranked them in four categories, win shares, box plus minus, value over replacement, and just combined averages of points, rebounds, and assists. Mm. And Luca and Dame ended up right next to each other with like a <laughs> fractional difference. And I was like, no, this was nice. supposed to make it easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got a just like a hideous row of different tabs of just different stats open. Um, and I was just going between them and just being like, okay, where's Dame? Where's Luca? Where's Dame? Where's Luca? And just trying to compare that way, and it was incredibly close. But in the end, I think I just had to go a little bit subjective and say I think Luca's a bit more um, has contributed a little more to to winning this season. Yeah, that hair of a record higher, and it's really to be fair, both players had to deal with massive injuries on their team. You know, Lillard mm. start of the year, CJ was balling out, and they looked like they could be a top four seed. CJ goes down, Nurk goes down, like the classic Blazer story of injuries, and Luca had a season without. Uh, Porzingis being there or being good still is questionable how good Porzingis is looking. Yeah, um, I mean the other thing is there's there's no way to separate them by games played, um, like there are with with certain other guys. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as this Brandon Page that I've got up is accurate as of now, it's 61 and 63 games played. So there's no real way to differentiate between those guys. Um, but that does raise a question that I've, I was going to ask you before we started: How much does 
missing games hurt players in your all NBA um, teams and and in the, the I guess as a follow up question, which is kind of similar, do you treat all NBA differently to how you judge MVP? I don't know. I, I think I try to keep treat them the same. I, I kind of view it as an extension of the MVP ballot. You know, mm. I, I forget who's been going around the podcast lately. If it's Chris Mannix or one of the guys that keeps saying like, yeah, we need to extend, extend the MVP ballot out to 10 so we can get yeah. all of the honorable mentions on there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and my thought is we have the All-NBA team. You can vote for 15 players. We can see, we can rank who gets the most votes. That is our extension. I will say in the back half of of it, I am more, the mid-tier guys kind of get washed out. The guys who have played like 55 games to 60 games or the 55 game kind of range. I do look at those and I say, all right, I'd either rather have the guy that was here the whole time or I'm going to take the guy that was here for 50 games or 45 games who is the super elite talent. Um, so that like Kyrie Irving, for instance, mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving, I looked at and I decided against being on that third team. He's in that 50 game range. And I just, I, I was weighing him versus someone like Trey Young, who's just been there more, not as good of a player as Kyrie, not as, as much of a contributor, but he's been there. And then I also was weighing James Harden been there less, but has been much more useful when he's been there. Uh, and so I kind of I kind of polarized hey, there. Yeah, much more useful when he's been there as what, since he joined Brooklyn. Um, not so much to start the season. Yeah, I mean I've always considered All NBA to be somewhat different from MVP in that MVP is sort of a a player of the year, whereas I guess I treat All NBA as sort of most outstanding. So if you if you sort of um follow me there, that sometimes the player who who played the best was not the best player so to speak and then and then i think that just comes down to i mean you want to reward a, a an impressive individual season um mm. but i think for for just like historical context and that's something that your your friend ben Golliver talked about recently um he he no longer has a vote as he's at the washington post and that's that's a conflict of interest somehow but he he said that when he did have a ballot he would he would you know strongly consider these things because of the historical importance of them and obviously not nothing that we do on this podcast is going to affect the um how players go down historically but i'm submitting this podcast straight to the <laughs> office so that way they can weigh our credentials as voters and give us votes next year that's that's when i know we've made it big time is when the league office gives us votes yeah yeah i, I mean honestly nate there are there are voters that we are undoubtedly <laughs> bitter at um choosing all nba teams then who was the guy last season that gave andre drummond a first place defensive player of the year vote because he had the most rebounds like, yeah do you remember yeah. that guy <laughs> yeah God. yeah yeah just crazy um but in anyway as as i was saying i want the all nba to sort of reflect who were the best players at the time so that when you look back in you know 20 30 years time or even doing that now, looking back into the 80s and to the 90s and even beyond, you know, you sort of treat the All-NBA as an indication of who the best players in the league were. And so I guess I hold a little bit more who are the best players. I value that a little more than just who was the best player in this individual season. To contrast with the MVP, where I don't think past seasons matter at all. Okay. So... I think we have, we have the same two guards. I'm going to assume yes. we both have the same center, Jokic, 
He's literally just been the best player in the league this season. He is the MVP. He is the first team center. There should be zero debate, right? You know, Nate, I I really wanted to come on here and give the hot take that Embiid was my first team center, which I I, I did consider. I mean, when I was when I was sort of drafting out these teams and creating my spreadsheet, he was the fir- he was the guy that I put in at first team center. But then I was, as I was sort of going through the numbers and, and, and sort of, you know, all these different factors and researching for other players, I just kept seeing Jokic at the top and everything. And I was like, man, I, I just can't do this. Um, basically, the thought was, you know, sort of like when people say like a per minute MVP mm-hmm. that, you know, Embiid's missed these games, but when he plays, he's more valuable than, than Jokic. And I was going to make the argument, you know, Nate, there are, there are two ends of the game, so... Jokic is only playing like half the game anyway, so it doesn't matter if Embiid misses half the games because he plays both ends. But in the end, I think Jokic was just too outstanding. So can I counter the two ends like uh, comment? <laughs> Which yeah, I, give it to I me. Know it's, I know you're not making the argument, but so many people do try to make this argument. Well, there are two ends. There are also five players, and in theory, Jokic affects all five pl- or himself as an offensive force and he raises the level of all four of his other teammates as offensive forces so much higher that he might not be a two-way player but he's a five force player so two is better than five and that's how number is that an original theory <laughs> that is an original theory i absolutely love it Jokic is a, what, what what did you call it a five force player yeah he's a five force player it doesn't matter if mb plays two ways Jokic plays five ways i when i was coaching I used to always try to tell my players, like, we have to make a fist, you know, like I I actually, I had one player, I was like, Hey man, I want you to punch me, but you have to like punch me with your index finger out and like just Mm. a one finger punch. And I'd have another player like that was our smallest, weakest player punch me with a full fist. And one year it totally flopped because the guy that I had punched me with the one finger totally just shammed it as hard as he could. And it got like between a rib and it really hurt. So it (laughs) fired. And the weak kid, you know, he hit me and it didn't didn't hurt much. We started a strength program <laughs> after that. <laughs> but it, like the the idea, of like Jokic is a one man offensive wrecking machine because of him elevating and keeping everyone else engaged. Which, if you can keep everyone else engaged, they play better defense. In the classic, give Ben Wallace the ball in the post. You know, he's gonna miss the shots, but it makes him play better defense. Yeah, Jokic yeah. spreading the ball around makes everyone else play better defense. And I, I'm going with he's a five force player. Yeah. All right. I'm 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 in on that. Jokic Jokic first team. So now we have a disagreement uh, in the forwards because you are not taking Embiid as a forward. You're you're a purist. Who are your two forwards? Um. These are these are the other two guys that I had as locks. Giannis, who's been basically as good as either of his NBA um, MVP seasons. And the other guy I went for was Kawhi Leonard, who has missed a bit of time. But if you look at any sort of impact metrics, even cumulative ones, his impact has been so awesome when he has played that um, I think he's deserving of this this spot. I had to bump Kawhi to the second team because I, I was fighting the the Kawhi versus Jokic, or not Kawhi versus Jokic, the Kawhi versus Embiid debate. Yeah. And Embiid statistically has been really impressive when I did all of the the Vorps and the PERs and the win shares. He came out as the fourth most impressive guy this season. Um, you know, Kawhi has been incredibly consistent and solid. He hasn't missed as many games as you would think. Um, he also hasn't really played as many. He's only he's sitting at the 49. Uh, he's at relatively low minutes. Um, 
he's played 1,675 minutes, which it isn't something I would usually look at or consider all that much. But I, I do think it is worth noting when we're trying to rule out some guys. Uh, Harden has played seven fewer games, but only 100 fewer minutes. And Harden mm. has played, Harden's played a game less than LeBron, but he played 100 more minutes than LeBron. And so mm. when I was trying to fi- figure out third team guards, it, it became something that I started to look at is like, how many minutes have you played? And Kawhi for the number of game, lower standard of minutes or number of minutes than one might expect. Anthony Davis returned for the Lakers and played 15 minutes. His game mm. numbers went up one, but his minutes really didn't change. So it kind of became a, a delineating factor that I looked at it for, uh, for third team people. Yeah, Kawhi's played as many games as as Embiid has, mm-hmm. and and they're going to end up in the in the you know the fifties games played, which would be like in the sixties in an eighty two season, which is like sort of you know the range that I'm fine with not um not punishing you if if you play in the sixties in a regular regular length the season that's like okay I'm 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 satisfied that you've played enough to deserve an All NBA spot as opposed to like say Kevin Durant for example which. Maybe you're going to give me the hot take later, but who missed just enough games that I was, you know, really struggled to put them on. So I've always kind of set this limit in my mind of Curry played 50 games in the 17-18 season and was named to the third team just from a, we can't not have Curry. This guy was just back-to-back MVPs. Curry is a historic great. And to not recognize that and put a less, like, you have to beat Curry to get on this. And no one yeah. no one did that. And I, I was looking at that number, and that translates to 44 games this season, which mm. is right where LeBron uh, and right yeah. where Harden are sitting. So I, I didn't rule either of them out. I did rule out Durant, who is sitting at 31 games. Yeah. Um, just just too, too few games. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the other thing is just like, okay, once you get to 50, I'm comfortable with you. Like no matter how um, how you play compared to other guys, I'm I'm satisfied that you've played enough. But when you're like LeBron and you're at 43 games, maybe you get to like I mean, how many games is he going to play? Like maybe he's like 46 games or something. Um, that's still less than what I would want. But um, you know, he's he's been the best player in the league for like the last however many years. So to leave him off and put a, a as you say to put a, a much lesser guy on um, was was a tough ask. So that that's my first team with Jokic and Bede, Giannis, Curry, and Luka. And yours is the same, but with Kawhi instead of uh, Embiid. Yeah, and if I was going to lie and say Embiid was actually a Ford, um, I would have the same team. Well, I believe in lying, so. <laughs> <laughs> what about second team? Uh, it sounds like you've got Embiid as your center. Yeah. Who are your forwards? Um, I went for LeBron James, who we just mentioned. Missed a lot of games when he was playing. He was arguably the MVP. He's the best player in the game, so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm satisfied there. Um, and the other guy I went for, who also missed a lot of time, but is gonna get over the 50 game mark, and I think has been incredibly important to his team winning anything, and that's Jimmy Butler. I had Butler too. Nice. <laughs> I, I went Kawhi and Butler. You know. Ka- yeah. When I did my first team, they were kind of the seven. Lillard is also my second team guard for all of the outstanding work he did. And Kawhi and Lillard were my absolute locks for second team. Yeah, Butler missed the beginning of the season for Miami, but they have been incredibly good since he's returned. 
Um, I, I was looking at their last two weeks numbers, and they're significantly up from where they've been pretty much the whole season as far as shooting percentages go, rebounds, point. They're they're ramping up and they're hitting their peak at the right moment. Uh, I saw that you and Cam had a little bit of back and forth about the Heat's final odds. Uh, I don't like them sitting in a matchup against the Bucks to start, but I, I I'd be convinced to put ten dollars down on a Bucks uh, finals run. I think that's I think the odds are make that a potentially profitable choice. Yeah, I'm, I mean, and as you say, that's not a an awesome first round matchup, but um. If if there's any team that I would trust to beat the Bucks at, from a lower seed, it's it's the Heat. A big part of Butler's excellence this season, which I think is something that was overlooked, that was missing previously, is that he's actually playing really good defense again. You know, defense is sort of a a, a lagging um, commodity, and that when guys stop playing defense, who who were good defenders, that defensive reputation holds over for a couple years mm-hmm. with guys like Butler and. Rajon Rondo and, and guys like that who were good defenders and and then stopped playing defense, but they kept that reputation. You can say what you want to say. It, it's going to hurt me a little bit, but we all know Kobe got a few defensive first, defensive second team selections uh, when he was no longer a defensive uh, help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, you, you get that effect. But um, I think watching Butler this year... Um, looking at the numbers, I think he leads the league in steals too. Um, he's been he's been a lot more active and trying a lot harder, competing a lot more on defense. And, and so throughout two ends to a basketball game, and he's been excellent on both. So I'm 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 happy to give him a second team spot. But is he a five force player, or are we back to this two way player? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I have no uh, quibbles with Butler when he's been in the lineup. The Heat have a sixty one percent winning rate or are winning at 61 percent that would be fourth in the east that would be a top tier team we would look at them and they'd be in like dark horse final talk yeah you know miami they had a late bubble run they had a short off season and they had a lot of changes um you know their core came back but a lot of the the rotational guys is were out so yeah i i love butler on second team i i'm not quite there with lebron uh to me, here's the thing. I, I wanted LeBron to do more, be there more. Um, I kind of see with those limit, the the sheer games limit, that knocks him down from second to third on my ballot. I it, When I added up all the PERs and the wind shares and that, he actually still came mm-hmm. out really high. Uh, he came out much higher than I expected, which I was yeah. kind of surprised at. And I was actually looking, he's one of those players that you put in at either position, guard or forward. And I considered being dishonest and putting him at guard. And really that is kind of honest to put him at guard. But he did get a third team forward spot for me. Just, I I couldn't, I I had to bump him down and using the cheat to have him beat his first team, just naturally with Kawhi and Butler ahead of him, naturally bumps LeBron to third team. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of um justifiable. The main reason I didn't go for that is I just struggled to find a Ford who I could say like you know what what is LeBron at forty three games of you know fringe slash legitimate MVP caliber play um, as opposed to you know sixty eight games of very good but fringe All Star level play. 
um, in the end, that that differential was too great for me that I um, decided to just to just stick with LeBron. Well, instead of then moving to the guards or center, can I ask who are your third team forwards? For one spot, I went with Zion. Um, so back to um, indiscriminately disregarding defense. Um, but he, he's been, I think, in that sort of top tier of offensive player. Um, mm-hmm. He is one of those guys that when you're going up against, you know, every every player on the floor has to be has to know the scouting report and you have to know where he is and what he's doing and bringing the ball up now as, as the point guard, shooting, you know, insane numbers, scoring insane amounts, just an awesome offensive player. Um, and so, so I went with him. The other spot, I'm still undecided and I was hoping over the course of the podcast that you'd convince me for um, one of a few different guys, but maybe we'll get there. But that, that final sport, forward spot for me is... I don't have Zion. So when we get to third team, I am happy to try to convince you that uh, my player, because it did come down to Zion versus, uh, well, it came down to Zion versus Julius Randle before me. And when we make it to that uh, third team, I am happy to tell you why. Uh, I'll be I'll be looking forward to it. He's one of the guys that I've got. I've just got this guy slash this guy slash this guy slash Julius Randle slash. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear the case. All right. Let's let's close out the second team though. You you've got um one guard spot remaining, right? Yes. And this one, the statistics are good, the advanced numbers are good, but a little bit of this is uh narrative. Uh and that is Chris mm. Paul. Mm-hmm. I his change in Phoenix, and I know people like to say, Oh, they went eight and oh in the bubble. Great, they they had a they had a cakewalk schedule in the bubble. I think they got to play like three games against Washington. You should go eight L when you can play Washington <laughs> half the time. Um, that should, playing against that team should just carry over to one game, um, to one win in the next game, regardless of your opponent. Like it should just be so easy that it's just exactly. ah, some of those baskets yeah. just carry over to the next game. Yeah, you, especially because they didn't have uh, they didn't have Beal, they didn't have Bertans. It just it was a mess. I don't care that they went eight and zero in the bubble. Everyone that keeps saying this just needs to to knock it off. Like it. Good for you guys. Great. Um, and now with Chris Paul, we're looking at them and we are legitimately saying they are title contenders. And I, I know statistically the Suns have been actually proven worse when Chris Paul is in the clutch than when Booker is in the clutch. But here's the thing. Chris Paul has done the heavy lifting for them in the clutch. And a lot of times they win or lose on Chris Paul's shoulders. And he's been slowly training Booker and starting to give off the responsibilities. It's so now Booker has been like, all right, I've got the easy clutch situation here. Like I'm clutch game against the Hornets and Chris Paul's like, I'm clutch game against the 76ers and I'm being guarded by Ben Simmons with Joel Embiid coming over to help. And Chris Paul has done it. Chris Paul has elevated Phoenix and I don't have a lot of great numbers to support her and say, you know, here's, here's this, but he had, he was my second team choice and I didn't really have a lot of other thoughts about it. Yeah. I mean, if you just, watch a Suns game particularly a close Suns game you can see that it's Chris Paul that's you know orchestrating getting to his mid-range running the offense awesome defensive player as well um even if not as an as a one-on-one guy mm-hmm. so much anymore I'm, I'm a big numbers guy I believe there's a lot that they that they tell you you know if there's something weird I think it normally points to something um Chris Paul statistically the Suns are better when he's off I think that's absolute nonsense. Um, that's one that I'm just going to be like, nope, that's noise. I'm ignoring that entirely. So yeah, he's awesome. Um, and 
And like you say, the Suns were like, oh, cute story to now like, if Chris Paul's hamstrings can hold up, this is like a conference finals team. Mm-hmm. I mean, t- to be fair, like at this moment, they may be the favorites to come out of the West. They're still the, they're still the one seed, right? Uh, they and Utah, I think, flipped uh, a day or two ago. Uh, yeah, Utah has the one seed again, but Utah has been playing mm. without Donovan Mitchell for a month. Nuggets are without Murray. The Lakers haven't. They have their issues. Clippers, I know Kawhi was out for a few days, but it was like three games and kind of see more like schedule rest than uh, a real injury. So, I mean, right now, the favorite to come out of the West has to be the Suns or the Clippers, just how they've been playing and who all's healthy. It's it's sort of weird going into the playoffs with, the, I think, the best teams who, you know, halfway through the season, you'd say are the championship favorites, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nets. Um, they're going to go in with so little... Um, continuity for their for their best players who are going to play very few if any games together to to close out the season um and, and that's hard to to sort of create that sort of chemistry straight into the playoffs and so for the suns who have had that um who have you know their their key guys have played almost all the all all the games together i think that gives them a huge advantage and i, I was something i was thinking about yesterday is like if there's a season for a team like the Jazz or the Suns or the Nuggets who were sort of like what Nico would call a fake contender. Uh, if, if there's a season for them to do it, this is it. I've been thinking a lot about the old, the the first LeBron Heat year where Dirk and the Mavs with their continuity and their solo star and their just good all-around team was able to beat the Heat. And it does set up a lot for this year, you know. The Heat didn't have their chemistry down. If we got to a series where it is Utah versus the Nets, and the Nets are still trying to figure out, you know, how do Harden and Durant play because they did not play very many games together, and Kyrie is Kyrie's arguably the Chris Bosh of that team. What is he bringing to the table? I don't hate Utah's chances. I I mean, they're not the favorite in that scenario, but I don't hate their chances. And I think basketball as a sport and the NBA as a league would do really well if Utah won. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that'd be awesome. It's just a small market team who built through the draft and and being smarter than than other teams, signing good veterans who can't they can't attract star players, but they create their own stars. And and to their credit, they pay their guys. You know, Kobe got the massive extension that everyone was clowning him for, but if he's able to go deep into the playoffs and. Um, you know his awesome defense is enough to to carry through to a to a championship. I think that's awesome for the league. I do want to push back. Uh, they did not build through the draft. They built through swindling Denver in the draft. <laughs> that's, that's also true. But uh, twenty seventeen, Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon for Donovan oh, Mitchell. That's. That's 2013. Awful. Eric Green and Cash for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, that's that's just awful. I just I I want Denver fans to know and remember and always yeah. know that they have amazing drafts people, but they got swindled twice. Yeah, I mean they they traded a generational defensive talent for you know a a new soda machine. Not it's not the copier that uh, Kyle Korver was traded for, but it's. It's not much there. Yeah, yeah. Do you also have Chris Paul then as your second uh, team guard? No, I've got him. I've got him as my immediate lock for the third team. For my second team, 
This is the one where I cheat a little bit, but not so much that I can't live with it. I just went with Paul George, who I think has been awesome. The Clippers keep winning, even with uh, players missing, and and I think he's been his individual numbers. Any of the advanced stuff is better than than Chris Paul or any of the other guys that you want to talk about. Some of them better than Kawhi. Um, so I went with him on the second team, but yeah, it, it, it was close. What, what You're shaking your head. Are, yeah, what advanced numbers are we looking at? Because uh, I'm looking at win shares here. Paul George is 43rd. Chris Paul <laughs> is 9th. I'm looking at box plus minus. Paul George is 25th. And Chris Paul is 22nd. Uh, looking at value over replacement. Chris Paul is 13th. And Paul George is 22nd. What what advanced numbers are we talking about here? Uh, let, let me go through them and just make sure they're actually supporting my claim before I tell you. <laughs> I know I'm fighting this. Yeah, here, here we go. So you're changing your balance. We're putting, <laughs> come on. So, so the th- the three all in one numbers that I go for: Dunks and threes estimator plus minus five thirty eight Raptor and B ball index is LeBron. Um, they all have Paul George over Chris Paul. That combined with just the box score numbers, uh, it, it's it's sold. <laughs> which which one of these numbers says Poku's the second? Worst player in the league. Uh, that's Raptor. That he, he's actually. <laughs> hey, he. If if you put the fifteen hundred minute limit on it like I did, he's he's um, he's in the two hundred and fifty out of two hundred and fifty spot. No. All right. Listen. Anything that says <laughs> Poku is the worst needs to be taken out. Gosh, you're abandoning Chris Paul for Paul George. I don't, I don't like it. And also, let me just throw the games numbers at you. 66 games to 51 games. Is that enough to sway the vote? No, I, I, I told you 50 is my cutoff. If you get over 50, I'm, I'm happy with you. But, but doesn't it have some sort of a sliding scale? There's not just like cutoffs, but there's got to be some degrees of, hey, you played 15 fewer games. I mean, there is, but That's one guy averages... <laughs> I mean, one guy averages... 16 points and the other one averages 24 so if you want to come with just (laughs) if you want to go back to basics (laughs) we submit this to the league office we'll see who gets the all-star votes and who doesn't yeah yeah put it put it this way nate who do you think is a a better player do you think chris paul is better than paul george absolutely all right well there's where we disagree also, you're just you're just throwing points at me you're not uh you want to talk about some of the other statistical numbers here like uh rebounds how paul george averages two rebounds more than chris paul despite being seven or nine inches taller and how <laughs> let's call it 10 inches or fewer <laughs> yeah yeah are we even sure that paul george or that uh chris paul is six foot i'm starting to think he's only five nine yeah, yeah. Hey, we've talked about this before no six foot no man who claims to be six foot is actually six foot Guys who claim to be six foot are just a five nine and five ten guys. If you're six foot, then you just say you you just go up and say six one. Oh gosh! Shout out to my friend Roz for having all of the heights figured out. Yeah. All right. I won't fight you too much on it. I I will consider Paul George for for third team. I still have an open spot. Uh, my second team center. You have Embiid. It's nice and clean to have Embiid. As I don't have Embiid, I have the third good center because there's really like a top three centers. Rudy Gobert, the should-be defensive player of the year. Uh, Any any arguments against him being in here for me? No, absolutely not. He's he's an awesome player. 
um, on the best team in the league as the best player. You know, t- cheating to have Embiid first team kind of ruins your third team in a way because um, you now, no now you've got it. There's there's a there's a big drop off. It'd be a lot better if you could put Zion at center, which he like actually does play some, but he's not eligible um, for for some reason. So that your 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 third team is going to suffer there. I'd be interested I, to see who you got though. I heavily considered, and before I before I start weighing the numbers, I went and double checked to see if Giannis could be the uh, center because I was like, nope. if I can't get Giannis at on the first team, maybe I slot him in the second team center, but. He was forward only eligible, and he was absolutely deserving of being first team. So that that went that idea. Uh, my third team center is Bam Adebayo. Yeah, and I, I like half considered what I would do if I, you know, just went for the five best players on each um, team and and bumped Embiid to first team and Gobi to second team, and and it came down to two guys for me. I'd be interested to see if if the other guy that you were considering is is the same guy that I was considering. Was it Nikola Vucevic? It wasn't. Was it Clint Capella? Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Clint, if Clint Capella makes it, you just look back at the All-NBA teams, and I, I just historically couldn't do it. I couldn't let it happen. It's like the DeAndre Jordan first-team All-NBA. God, who even was you, you just have to go though. that year? Yeah, it, it sounds dumb. Like You're like, no way DeAndre Jordan was, was the best center, a top-five player. But like, if you look at the other guys, it's like, oh, he, he kind of was better than them. Uh, it was DeMarcus Cousins and then Andre Drummond, which is yeah. Please don't Marcus that's Saul was injured half that year or something. That's I for Bam half. This is just like a carryover from last season, and I know I know All NBA is is a single season award, so we really shouldn't think uh, about yeah. it. Not for me. I'm I'm considering pre- previous seasons, and and that I don't want to select a guy that I think is anomalous. Oh, uh, if if you've got a proven track record that this is how good you are and you're playing that way, then I'm much more confident in putting you there than a guy who's never done it before. And you know, is this a flash in the pan sort of thing? I I like that. Um, I, I do want to reward guys that had a really great year and like this be their blip in history. I don't think that Clint Capella had a high enough blip to be a blip in history. I would still consider him maybe the third best player on the Hawks, possibly the fourth, because Bogdanovich has been just he's the reason why they turned around um the others of course being trey young and john collins but bam with what he did getting to the finals the versatility the projecting forward a little bit of the future i think he's going to be great and gonna be on this list semi-regularly and then also he's 13th in value of a replacement he is 12th in win shares he's a, a top defensive player and he's been ball handling a lot. He's had three games with 10 or more assists in the past two weeks. So I I gave him him the nod. It's it's not my favorite pick, but I, it's what I did. Yeah. I mean, if, if that was the decision I was making, that would be who I'd, who I'd choose to. I wanted to mention Capella because he's been, you know, having probably the best year of his career. But overall, I think Bam's the right pick if you have to go down that massive drop-off to find the fourth best center. What do you want to do next? Guards or forward? Who, who's your next most locked-in player on your on your third team? Randall. Yeah. All right. Convin- convince me of that. Le- LeBron or Randall. Um, I-, I had to convince myself that I was okay with LeBron, and the games and minutes are real shady. But, you know, it's a third team. And I, to be fair, there were three players. Zion, Randall, and LeBron. Um, and... I eliminated 
I have an easier time eliminating Zion. One, because of how young he is. And I assume he'll he'll continue to improve and get there. And he will be a regular staple on this. Um, I don't really see Randall having many more years at this level. This is going to be his historical blip and anomaly. And that's something I know you're against, but it's something I kind of value. And saying, if we look back in the history and we say, wow, the Knicks had this unusually great season where they were the fourth seed in the East. And then the next year they completely fell apart and they were garbage beforehand. They're garbage afterwards. Like what, how, what do we attribute this great Knicks season to? And to me, I really wanted to reward that for Randall. I wanted to reward his progress. You know, he is 10th in value of replacement, 15th in win shares, his combined points, rebounds and assists uh, were 12th best just in the league. And, to be fair, Zion's were 24th best, just like basic counting stats and a, a few advanced stats. I know you can look at true shooting and Zion blows Randall out of the water, but when it came to winning and when it came to, this is probably Randall's only chance to go down in a history book. And I want to reward him and give him his 15 minutes in history. And, and you know, I've, I've shared before my big reason for undervaluing compared to others Julius Randle you know I've seen some buzz for he should be in the MVP conversation and he should be first team all NBA what it comes down to is is uh, this 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 thing that I've shared before which is what he does well is not the reason that the Knicks are good he's a good offensive player and the Knicks stink on offense but they're good on defense but he is a much improved defensive player on the uh, Zach Lowe had him in his uh, all-defensive team consideration. It's a bit unfair to say because Zach Lowe had 75 people in his all-defensive team consideration, <laughs> but he at least made the top 75, which is not something you would say about Randall previously. Yeah, he's a Joe Ingles all-star. Yeah. Of, of the all-defensive. Yeah. Put it this way, um, the reason I don't just have him locked in is there are other guys at his position that I think, um, including Zion, who I had as a lock, who if you had Zion's offense or some a couple of the other guys I'm considering their offense on with the Knicks defense, um, I think they'd just be a much better team. I'll, I'll give you one for example. Wait, 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 wait. I want to push back here. Yeah. If you had Zion's defense with the Knicks defense... I don't think you have the Knicks defense because Zion is an absolutely abysmal defensive player and his and the team defense around him falls apart. And he's not playing mm. with bad defensive players. You know, Steven Adams has never been considered a bad defensive player. Ingram is pretty solid. Lonzo Ball is pretty solid. And he has an offensive-minded coach and they have the worst, one of the worst defenses in, in the league. I almost said worse than I remembered Sacramento still exists. <laughs> And so I, you can't just say that his offense will make the Knicks better if their defense stays the same, because Randall is a part of their defense staying the same. Two two things on that: the Knicks' defense. If you like, really break it down, you go into four factors and op- opponent shooting by zone and that sort of thing. They're actually a an average defense in almost every measure, except that they're the best team in the league at defending the rim, and their opponents miss all their threes, so they allow a lot. At the rim, they allow a lot of threes, but they've got Nolan's Noel and Mitchell Robinson when he played, who are awesome rim, rim protectors, and their opponents miss all their threes. And I can't see any reason why subbing Zion in affects Nolan's Noel and Mitchell Robinson's and Taj Gibson, who's been low-key pretty solid. 
I, th- I don't see how that affects their rim protection. Julius Randle isn't the one that's standing there and, and protecting the rim. And, you know, you could say, well, Zion's going to get beat on the perimeter and give up three-pointers. They already give up a lot of three-pointers and they just don't go in. And so that would be my first pushback on that. The other is you mentioned that Zion has pretty decent defensive teammates. Um, I don't think that's true either. I think all the, all the guys that he plays with are, are overrated defensively. I'm sorry to Steven Adams, who I absolutely love, but if you look at his his rim protection stats, it's just like, man, is he even there? Like guys just finish over him or around him. And and then Bledsoe's been what, you know, what is he, it that you he, say he, about guys that he, get he tries on, a few though. times. Yeah. Guys who get dunked on are the guys that are trying. But guys who allow above average finishing at the rim are, are guys who can't protect the rim. Um or they're guys that are rotating over and getting dunked on because Zion's letting the guys run right past him, whereas Randall is Dean up his man and lowering their field goal percentage. So when he's got the body, you got the secondary rim protection coming in and making the uh, making the stops. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think Adams isn't getting much help, but opponents shoot sixty five percent at the rim when he's on, mm-hmm. which is just god awful. Um, and so I think you can't say he's a good defensive player when opponents make every layup when he's on the floor, and that's that's his main job is to stop opponents making layups. Um, and then Bledsoe, Lonzo, Ingram, I think all those guys are overrated defensively. And so I don't think New Orleans have a good defensive cast. And I think if you if you surrounded Zion with good defensive players like the Knicks do for Randall, I think I think he'd look a lot better on defense. And again, the reason that they succeed isn't primarily because of what Julius Randall does. But he is a part of doing what they do to succeed. Randall, when defending in players within six feet of the basket, lowers their field goal percentage by 5.8 points. Zion, opponent's field goal percentage goes up within six feet of the basket. They get better at shooting when being defended by Zion. Yeah. It just in general, if we look at it, he lowers, there's uh, Randall lowers his opponent's uh, shooting percentage by two percentage points, which is is almost identical to Zion in, in the general abstract. But if we were specifically going to say the Knicks are really good at rim defense and we're going to like bring that within six feet, Zion does a, or Randall does a good job of bodying them up, making those close, those rim shots difficult. You know, he, he's a significantly improved defensive player from what he was in the past. And it's not like the Knicks... The Knicks are good whether you got Nerlens Noel, who was not an, he hasn't been an impressive rim protector throughout all of his stops. I know he came in with the billing of being a good defensive player, but we haven't seen it until now. And I don't think that's it's him suddenly becoming Dikembe Mutombo. Like, we, we got to give Randall some of this credit. And so you don't have to put him on the third team, but I, I that's why I've got him over Zion, you know. Yeah, let's 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 do this instead. Um, Zion's too bad a, a defensive player that you're saying that the Knicks just fall off so much there that his his slight improvement in their offense doesn't matter. Um, how how do you think the Knicks would hold up if you just swap in Randall out, Jason Tatum in? I think Tatum is a superior offensive player. He's still a good defender, so you know all that the the rim protection numbers are good because he's holding up in front of his man, and and that makes it easier to defend. I think if you swap Jason Tatum in, that the Knicks are a better team. I, which again gives me pause before putting Randall on. Well, I would say that I think that they get worse offensively with Tatum. Tatum is a better individual offensive player, but the way the the Knicks are using Randall 
as kind of a poor man's Jokic. Um, maybe if you went with Sabonis, because they play a more similar where they can pass. And if you want to say, if you switch, or not Jokic, um, Sabonis, if you switched Randall and Sabonis and you had a healthy Sabonis is for most of the season, I do think the Knicks would be better with Sabonis than they are with Randall because of just they use use Randall a lot as a passer and Tatum is more of like an individual scoring type. Um, so, so I get what you're trying to say there. And to be fair, if Sabonis had a healthy core around him, he looked like an MVP and I would have absolutely loved to have had Sabonis over Randall if Indiana and Sabonis had continued to play like their early season numbers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a tough call. Let me let me let me just take a second to um to give some praise to Julius Randle, who you know he, he along with Zach Levine was one of those guys that I was shitting on at the All Star break. I have to acknowledge something that almost never happens, but I, I was I was wrong. <laughs> almost never happens. <laughs> yeah, man, I feel like um, I've been in multiple Facebook NBA groups with you, and people tell you you're wrong quite a lot. Just hey hey hey. Julius Randle has been has been an awesome player this year. Um, the playmaking jumps, this the shooting jumps to be like a, a historically mediocre to bad shooter, and to be a forty percent guy who can pull it off the dribble, um, who can create offense for himself and for others, and be you know part of a good defense, which are things that you like couldn't say about Julius Randle before this season, and and maybe even before the All Star break. Um, so he's come on a lot. He's been awesome. He's proved me wrong. I always thought he was a, a, a overrated as a player and as a prospect. Um, you know, I've sold all my Julius Randall coin. Un- unlike all those idiots in Facebook groups, he's actually proving me wrong. I will say, most of the time when people call you crazy in Facebook groups, um, I watch the debate and it's it is almost as plain as day. You're like Michael Jordan is better than Drexler. And they're like, no, Drexler's good because of this. And you're like, here's a huge data dump of why Jordan is better. <laughs> and then it's still some idiot being like, no, Drexler. And it's just like, I, I don't know how you put up with it. But there are always those those weirdos on the internet. I, I will say with Randall also, I didn't fight back. I didn't push back much at the All-Star break because I thought it was a flash in the pan. I thought it was a limited sample size. I was sure he was going to fall off. And to be fair, when we were making fun of Levine, Levine's fallen off quite a bit. Uh, A lot of his numbers have, he's still good true shooting percentages. He's still scoring a lot, but the the Bulls aren't winning. Like I I remember seeing people being like, oh, how do the Celtics have two all-stars when the Bulls have a better record than them? And I'm like, because you're 20 games into the season, this is all going to change. And that's, uh, you and I have said on this podcast for the past three months like well the Knicks Knicks are gonna fall and I'm still not sure that the Knicks are gonna hold on to the four seed like even today but they've done it for so long and Randall has been such a big part of that and has been really key to them so I don't think I I wouldn't take too much uh lose too much sleep over being wrong about Randall because I think everyone in the NBA has been wrong about Randall or RJ Barrett or Bullock or Nerlens Noel or Tom Thibodeau. I think we all have kind of have to eat our words on the entire her roster. Yeah. And, and Tibbs is another guy that, you know, I, th- I thought was just a, a straight up bad coach who, when they signed him, I was like, oh God, here we go. Classic Knicks signing the big name who's actually terrible. But he's been like like coach of the year this year. And, and, and you know, Rand- Randall's been awesome. 
Um, 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 Does that I'll, mean he gets the third you, team spot? I'll, I'll give you my th- my third guy who um, I had as as top three for that final spot with uh, with Julius Randle and with Jason Tatum, who is just going to be punished so much because you know he's missed like half the season. Are you gonna put Carl Anthony Towns in there? No, I, I'm talking about Kevin Durant. Oh yeah, um, no, no, get him out. No, yeah, too few. Yeah. Too yeah. few. I mean, when when he was playing, he was you know all star form. Kevin Durant, um, undoubtedly, he's he's better when he plays than you know every guy from second team and and below. But even for me, who said you know if you play fifty out of seventy games, which is missing like almost half the season, that that I'm 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 not even going to consider players who played the full season over you. You know, he's not, he's probably not even going to get to half of the games. Put it this way, would I rather have 35 games of Kevin Durant or 70 games of Julius Randle? Even though that's, there's a huge difference between those two guys talent-wise, I'd, I'd still rather have Julius Randle. Yeah. And so then, so then, so then we're down to two. Um, give, give me briefly your thoughts on Jason Tatum, why you didn't end up going with him. Uh, one, fuck the Celtics. Two, oh yeah, say no more. All right, let's lock him, Randall. <laughs> um, no, to, to be honest, so I think part of the, the Celtics problem is Jason Tatum. And it's not a over not an unovercomable problem. Uh, I didn't even have Tatum really in the discussion all that much. From watching mm-hmm. the Celtics a lot this year, they've been kind of your turn, my turn with Tatum and with Brown. And Tatum is an unbelievable, excellent scorer. He also is a black hole of offense. He is closer to this generation's Carmelo than he is um, really any other player from the past, from the the 2005 to 2015 team that I really watched every or watched a ton of basketball from that that era, or I guess probably even 2000, 2000. But Nate, have yeah the the twenty years you, of my basketball watching life. Haven't you seen all the photos of him recreating Kobe Bryant poses? So do you know he trained with Kobe in the off season? Yeah, and it it kind of ruined him. It's, <laughs> like he needs to figure out a way to play within his teammates. Um, someone in in one of our Facebook groups shared a tiered Lakers system, and it had Derek Fisher on there, and someone was like, "Ah, get Fisher out of there." Or like he doesn't deserve to be in this hall of great Lakers. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Fisher is essential for the Lakers later titles, not just because of what he did on the court, but because he trained like he transitioned Kobe to make Kobe work with teammates. And Tatum has not learned how to work with teammates yet. He is kind of on an island in the way I see, you know, 2006, 2007 Kobe, where he's, you know, all all about his own offense, all about scoring. And that's that's fine and that's great and that's a a deservedly awesome player. But Tatum is not doing; he's not at that level yet. He's not scoring that much yet, and he's not helping his team. So I don't know where to place a guy, or I don't want to pl- don't want to reward a guy for being really good at scoring and hurting your team. He's closer to a Zach Levine than he is anybody deserving to be an All Star team or All NBA team. In my book, that that just ends that argument. If if you can if you can make a a fair comparison to Zach Levine, you don't want him on your list. Yeah, yeah. So for um, my all are all uh, <laughs> guards uh, thirteen, we've got no, no, I'm not yep. Zach Levine. <laughs> um, for for the for the sake of time and because I I can't decide 
let's let's give Randall the final spot um, yes. of of my forwards. Well, maybe you can help me out with the guards because I have one guard written in, and you already have CP three here. Mm. Who who's your final guard? Who who who's our difference in the guards? I don't on, have on, Paul George. Right, that's it. So you're not even going to give Paul George All NBA third team? I uh I I probably should, but. If they do that, that ends my teams. I want to hear who else you have because I only had one name here, and you've got at least at least another name. W- what are my options? Talk talk me through what you got. This this was kind of a hard spot. I was trying to find other guys to consider. In the end, there was I just couldn't make an argument for anyone except this guy. You you know, Nate the the Brooklyn Nets are the second best team in their conference, and their their two best players have missed almost. You know, most of the season, and, and so I went for the guy who's been there more than the other two, and and has been holding it down, and playing awesome basketball. Look at any, any of the numbers; you've you've got them there. Um, he's over the fifty game mark, so I'm satisfied. Um, as we went with Kyrie Irving, can I try to argue that you should just just chuck caution to the wind and ch- take James Harden? Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 open to that argument. He's he's played like the same amount as LeBron, right? And I had LeBron's second team, so it's kind of Give give me the Harden over Kyrie argument. So he has played one fewer game than LeBron. So if we're going to say that LeBron can make it because of games, like we're not going to rule him out games wise, we can't rule out Harden games wise. He is no, that's, also that's played, the exact threshold. <laughs> he, he has also played a hundred and ten more minutes than LeBron, which I, I consider counting all. I, I consider just eliminating all of his. Houston stats, which eliminate him entirely because he was dogging it pretty hard in Houston. Um, but but if we count those minutes, we count those games. Like that's that's like four more games uh, of uh, four more minutes worth of game time than LeBron has played. And we had James Harden legitimately in the MVP discussion. Like there was that there was a month span of people discussing: Can we have Harden in MVP because of leaving and because of you know? all of the off the court antics. And I just, I want to say that if he played five more games, we're still having an MVP discussion around James Harden. How do we not put him as third team? That's, it's just kind of my, like, he is this good of a player. He is that statistically dominant. Uh, If we add up points, rebounds, and assists, he's the fifth person in the league big in that number. Even, you know, with all of the games he missed, uh, he is 26th in win shares. He is 14th in box plus minus. And VORP is a is a cumulative stat where you build up value over a replacement level player. And he is 16th in value over replacement despite missing a ton of games and despite dogging it in Houston. I just, I, I saw Harden, a former MVP, a three-time second place MVP finisher, take his game to a new level this season. He was my my shady lock for second or for for third team, and I don't see anyone else's case that I really like. And if if the two cases you're bringing to me are Paul George and uh, Kyrie Irving, I'll, I'll take Paul George as my number as my other third team in person. But I, I just I heavily favor the Harden over Irving. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was that was a tough one that I um um battled with, but. You know, everything you're saying is is things that I can't disagree with. He he was the best offensive player on the best offensive team when he played, and you know he's played more than half the half the half the season. 
So it's not like he's he's Kevin Durant levels of of missing games. S- settle this for me, Nate. I'm gonna I'll, I'll ask you one question to decide Irving over Harden for my final spot. What is more valuable to winning 42 games of James Harden or 51 of Kyrie Irving? Uh, I will take this one step farther. If I'm trying to win the most games, what which which wins me more games? 34 games of James Harden is more valuable than 51 games of Kyrie Irving. I'm, I'm, I'm speechless on that. Let me get the breakdown here of yeah, his wins just, and just, losses. Just pull up Kyrie's box score numbers. Look look at that and, and compare that to Harden. All right. So in his 34, in Harden's 34 games... Hmm. the the Nets won 26 of them. So they were on a 76% win, 76.4 win mm-hmm. in pace, which over an 82-game season would have been a 62. Uh, that, that seems low. I expected that to be higher. I'm actually a little bit shocked right now. Um, 62 feels about right for like Brooklyn with Harden. All right, yeah. 60 wins is hard to do. That's that's a very good team. I guess it's, it's 62.7, so it's basically 63. It's yeah, sixty-three. Harden, Harden made the Nets one of the most impressive juggernauts. And I know right now, just with offense being through the roof, everyone's the best offensive team in league history. It's not a stat you can throw a lot at, but when they were together, it was very clear who was the number two, and that number two was Kyrie Irving. And when he tried to step out of that role, the Nets lost. So I, I will take James Harden over Kyrie. Uh, even in a fewer sample size game, I would go that way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to my Kyrie as a lock, based on the fact that okay, Harden was was more valuable when he played, but I don't think that the margin is is so significant that it makes up for the difference in games. I mean, Kyrie's still twenty seven five and six on like sixty one true shooting. The advanced numbers like him too. The 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 ones that I'm looking at at least, and and so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with him. Sticking with Kyrie. Sticking with Kyrie. As much as it pains me, you know, I'm a I'm a big James Harden fan, a, a big James Harden proponent. But Kyrie has been has been awesome. I, I just can't leave him off. So unless I'm, unless I'm dropping Chris Paul to bring Harden in, um, I'm gonna have to begrudgingly leave him out. They are tied in four. Uh, Harden has a slight edge in box plus minus. Kyrie a slight edge in win shares, which cumulative stat you'd kind of expect. It's yeah. it, it is really close. Um, I don't think there's a wrong answer between those two, but I just I, I think for for me, we had Harden in the MVP race for so long, and we were celebrating this as like a great Harden season. That I think it's a shame that he got. I mean, it's a shame when any great player gets hurt, but you know. If we're gonna look at his historic case, I think this should help build it, not not get uh, swept under the rug. Well, I'll, I'll give it to you this way, Nate. Maybe we should have Kyrie in the MVP discussion. No. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about your MVP? Like, if you had an MVP ballot, which your five would be, and like which order they would be? Not really. I think I've, I've just looked at number one, and it's it's clear cut. Number two is pretty easy too, and then it's just such a drop off that the rest of the guys aren't. Who do you think is the clear cut number two? Oh, Embiid. I actually kind of, I, I kind of want to say Curry. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it, and I had uh, Jokic, Curry, Giannis, Embiid as my five or as my four, and I was like, I don't quite know, I don't quite know who my fifth guy would be. Like, the, there's Luca, there's Lillard, there's Gobert. I, I don't know. I just, 
it, I don't I don't know who what order I would do it in. H- hadn't given a, a ton of thought to it. Hmm. Kyrie Irving is your answer, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still I'm just writing in uh, Kevin Harden, James Durant. You know, just, just sandwiching them together as between the two of them, they've got 70 games. That counts, right? Yeah, I love it. Just Atlanta Hawks it. Just um, Brooklyn's backcourt is the final spot. All right, so your your final your third team ended as Gobert, Zion, Julius Randle, Kyrie Irving, and Chris Paul. Thank you. I could not think, remember that. <laughs> <laughs> My third was Bam, LeBron, Randall, Harden, and I will put Paul George on there. I thought you made a, a really good argument for him. Not better than Chris Paul, but a, a good case to have him on there. I, I was looking at him. I wasn't thinking guard, but he, he, he is a, eligible. Yeah. I mean, he's, he starts at two guard when the team's healthy. So that's um that's enough for me. Uh, any other awards talk that you're interested in or want to uh, want to shout out or plug um we've we've gone we went really long on the all nba teams there, there, there was a lot of debate to be had let me let me ask you did you prepare in any way uh, all defensive teams you act like i prepare anything no <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I most definitely did not prepare uh in all all defensive teams yeah okay so you're not going to help me out i i, I really struggled well, I listened to Zach Lowe talk about it, and he had 75 players on his list, so I, it's it's a debatable thing. Who, who do you have? Bear in mind that I was half hoping that you would give me some better options and, and talk me into them, so this is fair, this fair. is this is not set in stone. I'm not sending this into the league. Adam Silver, if you're listening, tune out now. Also, Adam Silver, if you're listening, dude, what up, man? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is great. You're our, our target audience. We'd like you to come on the pod. <laughs> play a cool Nate. you're embarrassing us in front of um anyway all, all, all nba first team um again not i don't feel great about it but let me know if there's any guys that you are enthusiastic for or enthusiastically for or against guard guard forward forward center based on my own categorization which is basically just could you start at that position and do you start at that position? Paul George, Ben Simmons, Giannis, Draymond, and Rudy Gobert. Well, I mean, do you hate any have, of those? It doesn't have Andre Drummond, so I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty much garbage. No, I I like all of those, and I especially like all of those in this season. Um, I I could be talked into Jimmy Butler. There are I, I really enjoyed, and I this is the fifth Zach Lowe mentioned the podcast, but he had a really interesting discussion about specialists like a Matisse Thibel, whose one job when he gets out there is to play defense and he does it for 20 minutes a night and then gets to come off. Like he's statistically one of the best defensive players, but should we, you know, not value that because he's in such a limited role and that's the only thing he has to do who kind of like comparing a Kyle Korver type of shooter versus a Steph Curry shooter or who's the whole offense. I think I lean more towards the big name guys and the guys who play a ton of minutes, which is what you hit of the guys that are playing 30 plus minutes and are the focal points or captains of their defense. I I don't know how good Draymond has been this season would be my one uh, point, but I feel like you've got it researched. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give you one stat. The Warriors are top five in defense. Okay, that sounds insane. Looking at their roster and how how uh, how good they were last year. Yeah, that that seems like a flat out lie. But 
They are fifth in cleaning the glasses defensive rating at 110 points per 100, right there between you know just below the New York Knicks. So I think Draymond is is the yeah reason one, two, and three for that. I I know the Lakers are still in the top five defensive ratings. I forget if they're two or three. Um, but there, there's not like a candidate from the Lakers that I really like. Uh, there was mm. there's been a little bit of talk about giving Alex Caruso a second team vote, and I love Caruso. I'd love to see, that. but I I am really partial to the argument of I don't want to reward specialists or guys that play you know reserve minutes because they may be excellent excellent defenders, but. It, if they can't stay on the court and they aren't defending most of the time and they're only excellent defenders because they're defending in brief spurts, I, I like having guys that play the whole game. I'd be inclined to maybe a second team of Chris Paul, second team. Uh, did you have Butler in the first? You didn't, did you? I didn't. I went to second team and I had him there. Okay. Uh, who else do you have for second team? To immediately contradict everything you were saying, defensive specialist Matisse Thibault. <laughs> I, I, he statistically has the numbers. Um, but if I have to choose between him and Drew Holiday okay, for defensive purposes, I, I take Drew Holiday. Oh, I, I had Thibault as a forward, so I had I had Holiday as well. Oh, just w- making it work. Not going to have... I uh, I noticed you didn't mention Nerlens Noel. He's my um, <laughs> defensive fifth team center. <laughs> uh, I would love to see uh, an NBA, a, a true NBA mind, actually try to rank all 450 players like that would just be amazing to see someone just do that on by defense or just overall overall defense whatever just any sort of attempt to rank everyone and to be able to be like ah that guy is actually 12th or you know <laughs> this guy hey don't talk bad about alex caruso he is i'll have you know he's all nba 31st team yeah you know if everyone if all the players were in a draft he would be in the seventh round <laughs> <laughs> like, like what, what are you trying to come up in here with this Drake J. Crowder shit? Nah, there's like 50 players in between the two of them. Uh, I mean, I I would kind of get close to that when I when I play 2K. So when when, when I play 2K, I, I only play my league. The first thing that I immediately do is spend like two to three hours fixing all the player ratings. Um, so in a way, I do kind of rate and, and rank every single player on, on an NBA roster. Oh, that's way too much. Yeah. I just download whatever rosters have, you know, the top ratings and the, the yeah, highest yeah, cards. Yeah. That's that's why I haven't played 2K in a long time. It's, it's like, I know that there's three hours of fixing players. I feel really bad. I bought last. I bought the 2021 2K version uh, for Christmas, and I've actually never taken it out of the package. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> yeah. I, I, I had to buy it for the... I, I've bought it twice, those... Sons of bitches got me to buy it twice. Um, I, I had the I had the first one stolen before I could load up my Kobe Special Edition DLCs. Um, and, and so then I had I had to go out and buy it again. They they just keep getting money from me every year. I pay, I, I give them the one hundred and twenty dollars for their roster update. It's a subscription, and then you update the rosters again. You just gotta get better <laughs> at creating players. There's a yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was paying one hundred twenty dollars for the rookies, who I who I then immediately like knock like ten overalls off of. Like Anthony Edwards an eighty one. No, let's let's try like a seventy five. That they should just sell the update package. Like, don't even don't even buy a new game. You just download the new new package of rookies. Yeah, 
but but now I've I've given them like two hundred dollars, so that their their current model's working well. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I think that's probably a good place to wrap on because yeah, if we start talking two K, I can tell you about the time that I played two K twenty fourteen into two thousand thirty two, where I had a guy named Jesus who was like a 67 <laughs> overall, but a 99 speed and a 99 dunk and like a 99 <laughs> steal. And he was one of those computer generated players. And I was yeah. like, oh, I can steal the ball, race down the court and dunk it? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Took um, that too far. Yeah. Before we round out, the two guys that I would always like play way above their talent level was Giannis when he sucked. And one of my all-time favorite not good NBA players, Jared Cunningham, who mm. I would always get. His jump shot was not rated high, but there was a way that you could not time it where it would miss. Um, so he was draining threes, getting dunks in transition. To this day, one of my favorite NBA players who wasn't actually good. I I, I understand because to get to 2032, I built my team around Josh Smith at point guard Andre Iguodala at shooting guard and Andrea Bargnani at small forward. And they were my trio that I played with for over a decade. (laughs) Uh, The big three that NBA forgot. They were very easy to acquire. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure they still are. Now, uh, now I have to Google what Bargnani is up to. That's uh, That'll be a pod for a different day. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for uh, having this discussion, going this deep. Uh, Nico, happy birthday. Anyone still listening at this point that didn't turn off 20 minutes ago, like us on Facebook. Shoot us an email at hoopstemple.gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys. Thank you. And be sure to tune in next week where I rank all 450 NBA players. Starting with 450. Spoiler, it's not poker. Yes! Is it Anthony Edwards? Yes. Good.